To the first issue club podcast we are your weekly comic book reading club for the most accessible comics that exist first issues they bring us together they're our joy they're our pleasure on this week's show we're going to be talking about one thing and one thing only and that's the Katesiverse. <laughs> all things Dunny, baby the Dunniverse. Crossover is out on Image Comics. Uh, you've been hearing about it forever and ever. Yeah, if you have a pulse and pick up a previews magazine, you've been hearing about Crossover for about six months. It's the biggest independent comic release in 20 years. The pre-orders were around 130,000, I believe. Wow. Very, very high Wow. for an independent comic book. So we're excited to talk about that. We're going to talk about Donnie Cates' news specifically. He's getting the spotlight this week, Greg. And he's earned it. This is your week, Donnie. So you just get to kick back and relax while the comic book industry focuses in and needles you and picks apart your work. Yep. We're here to massage your ego this episode, Donnie. Let's get into it. Let's do it. The Thor run started a new arc today. Yes. Um, everything that's happened thus far in Donnie Kate's Thor run mm-hmm. has been a big deal. Collectors going crazy. They've been going to six, seven printings right. for each issue. Have you read this book? Or are you keeping up with the storyline? I'm keeping up with the story. I haven't read the newest issue, so enlighten me if you want. Yeah. If you don't want it to be spoiled, skip ahead. I think the interesting thing is that they're bringing back Donald Blake. Are you yes. familiar with this character? Yeah, because he was Thor. So I would say Donald Blake, not a super popular Marvel character, something that's pretty niche and something I was surprised to see mm-hmm. make a comeback so he originated as a character that odin brought to life to teach thor a lesson this was like when thor first got sent to earth okay odin turned him into a human who was disabled and then he kind of like learned his lesson yep. lived, lived on earth for a while okay now it's coming back to as me. donald blake yep and eventually unlocked that part in his brain mm-hmm. and, and recognized that he was Thor and kind of gained all those abilities back again. Yes, I'm now recalling that. So the interesting thing is there was this like schism there, right? Like Thor was in in a human mortal form. Mm-hmm. Now you have Thor that when he's like on Earth, he's just in pedestrian clothes. Mm-hmm. He's not transforming into a human. Right. He's in his Wranglers and his Keds. This confuses some people because you've got characters who lift up the hammer and turn into Thor. Mm-hmm. Would you think that was the same case? For Thor himself, it isn't. He's always Thor. And that really speaks to uh, just who you are on the inside. doesn't <laughs> matter what you're wearing or holding. You're always going to be you. You're always going to be you. Brought to you by the Calm app. <laughs> so some confusing, convoluted history, mm-hmm. but Donald Blake got put in some standby make up realm. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like a toy there for... Thor to just like dip in when he needs a vacation from being Thor, which is it's like a substitute, which is like fucked up. <laughs> but in any case, we find out that things haven't gone so well in this standby realm wherein Donald Blake just lives like the Truman Show sort of life, like everything's a put on for him. What? Oh my god! So they couldn't even so, just like let him live on Earth just 
as his own doing his own thing. No, yeah. he's a creation of Odin and is therefore, I guess, not technically human and got put in like a weird. It almost ether. sounds like a Westworld situation. Yeah, it's a really intriguing, interesting way to go with this piece of Thor lore. So let me ask you this: When the new Thor run started, we were experiencing a bit of event fatigue especially with Thor, because this was just off the heels of War of the Realms. And I just had a colossal run of reading Thor, so I felt like I needed a break. We might have even talked about this, but I kind of wanted to see Thor kick his like feet up on a beach mm-hmm. and just like have some fun. What's kicked back vacation Thor like? Well, that's what, I'm, that's what I was going to ask right now. Like, Does it feel like it's going to be a more down-to-earth story? Are we going to stay on Midgard the whole time? Because Thor stories typically are these grand space operas, and he's always jumping between realms, dealing with different species. It seems kind of like he he doesn't, this isn't maybe our version of kicking your feet up on the beach, but is this going to be kind of a simpler story for Thor where he can just kind of focus on one thing? Here's, here's one of the things that I think Donnie Cates is really good at, is giving us a small personal story with massive stakes. Sure, yeah. So I I think the relationships between these characters and like the problem solving of what happened in Donald Blake's past to Mm -hmm. make him end up the way he has. You know, I'm leaving some things out because if you want to read this book, there's there's some value in some of the spoilers, but everything's tied to a bigger picture. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about that same sort of mode of story playing when we talk about crossover too. Okay, sweet. Yeah. Excellent. I think we should just what get this podcast started started the moment you've all been waiting for crossover like we mentioned on image comics no fancy imprint just straight up image straight up image not on skybound not on a new donny cates imprint that they teased nothing image comics i was told at my shop today sent out messages to retailers and said everyone's ordered a good amount of crossover we feel like you're under ordering for what we expect the demand to be for this book order more if people don't buy them we'll refund you for the copies that don't sell. They cannot seriously think that people are going to be clamoring for this book. You don't think so? They Okay, so Image said, you ordered a decent amount. You're going to want to order more. Yeah, and so people did, obviously. Why wouldn't you if you can send them back and get the money? That Okay, that is cool of Image to be like, hey, yeah. listen, we know you're going to sell them all. If you don't, we'll buy them back from you. Yep. That's cool, but like, what a lofty claim from Image Comics. Well, when you think about what else came out this week. Sure. I bought a bunch of comics. Mm-hmm. Um, I had maybe six first issues, but a lot of them were small print things. Sure. DC's big first issue release was Sweet Tooth, which is um, really a Vertigo book. Right. And a volume two of an existing series. Exactly right. Marvel had that Wolverine Black, white, and blood. <laughs> I don't know if they're like doing a take on. Okay, quick, Batman, quick talk on that. Like have you have you seen spoof? the interiors to that? No, I haven't. It's fucking stunning. Is it really? Adam Kubert is doing the art, and it is 
ungodly beautiful. There's a fuck ton of creators listed on the cover. Mm-hmm. So I was assuming that it might have been a kind of annual style thing. Do you know if it is or not? It is. It, yeah, is. it is. Okay. There's a lot of different people in there, but yeah. there's a majority of Adam Kubert. And holy shit. All right, cool. It is. Good. Don't blow a ton of money on them right now. Yeah. Because they're going to be hanging around the dollar bin and just half off booth. Yeah. So don't worry about getting them now, but pick it up eventually because that artwork is crazy. Very cool. But yeah, I think easily biggest release of the week. Oh, for sure. Social media everywhere I was seeing, you've got crossover. We've got the covers. Order this, that, and the other while Mm -hmm. you can. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone that walked into my store like went right for the pile and picked up multiple covers. I just think the hype and how popular Donny Cates has been the past year is like so, so real. Mm -hmm. And in the vacuum of... News for new media, new comics, and and event panels and things like that. Donny Cates talking about crossover mm-hmm. at online panels was one of the more greatly shared things because some big statements were made. Sure. Like, this is going to shatter your expectations. It's a story that's going to change the way you look at comics. It made maybe too many big claims, mm-hmm. but obviously enough to get all of us to say, I got to at least check this out. Donny Cates has backed up the other things that he's written yeah. that I've read. He has a proven track record of knowing how to write a fucking story. Right. Like, it's no secret that Donny Cates knows how to write. Love him or hate him, you cannot mm. deny the fact that he can tell a captivating story yeah. with the characters he's given. And now Image has seemingly given him free range over every character that has ever been on Image. We'll hopefully find out. But I mean... The story itself from Crossover, it piqued my interest enough for the first issue. I was expecting more for a first issue, to be honest. Yeah. It um. Do we just want to dive right into what we're... Yeah, well, the story is, and, and this is something that I think we knew going into mm-hmm. this week, was that superheroes are like all crossing over into one massive reality. Anything that you've ever read in a comic book... Mm-hmm. can theoretically enter this world. Some of the clarity we got this week was that heroes are spontaneously popping into, quote unquote, the real world mm-hmm. in Colorado. Right. And have been essentially encased in a bubble. Mm-hmm. A force field of sorts. <laughs> yeah. To keep all like the chaos and insanity constrained to one area. Mm-hmm. Which... If they've been in this biodome for how many years now? Like seven or so? Yeah. Colorado has to be leveled by now. It's got to smell. <laughs> it's got to smell terrible. There's no venting pipes right. in that thing. Exactly. It's got to be pretty bad. All those superhero farts got to go somewhere. <laughs> so it was fun. When you when you open the first couple pages of the book, they get right to it. Oh, yeah. And kind of show you that concept, which was good. I think that would have been a bummer reveal at the end of a long story. Mm-hmm. Um, because we knew so much about the book and there had been so much speculation and talk about it leading up to this week. I will say, however, we never really got actual word or specifics on what heroes were going to be in this. Was it just going to be Donny Cates characters? Was Mm -hmm. it going to be all image characters, every hero from every publisher, and how do you even legally handle that? Right. That's one of the most intriguing things about it still. But in the first couple pages, you see a character that's definitely supposed to be Captain Marvel. 
Shazam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see the tick. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and a couple more vague characters mm-hmm. throughout. Yep. There's reference to a few others when in the speech bubbles. Yep. Kind of tongue in cheek stuff. Right. I believe there's a, a character from Redneck, which is a Donny Cate series in a truck yelling at people. Okay, I, think, I, I missed think, that. I think that's an allusion to one of them. Yep. Um. So I think we're just get like little tastes of those through the whole series, little salt and peppers of just like if As you're an avid out fan, more. right? Yeah. You're just gonna be like, oh, like that's that guy from that one thing. Yeah. So I'm I'm really excited about that. You know, for as much hype as there was in this story, I, I honestly, like they say in Property Brothers, it's got good bones. <laughs> like the story's there. I just wanted a little more open concept. I wanted, you know, yeah. two and a half baths. Like I just wanted a, l- a little more to chew on. Yeah, I, I think in in my head, we were gonna get something between crossover mm-hmm. that we actually got, and we'll get into more of what we actually found within the pages of it. And Steve Orlando's Commanders in Crisis that we covered on the podcast a couple right. weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I thought we were going to get a big battle scene, big style event with fighting, big ass swords, all kinds of cool shit, mm. but with an interesting M. Night Shyamalan twist. Yes. Which, kind of. Kind of. I guess the big thing for me was that this story immediately went from, here's the situation in Colorado, we're pulling back to a more intimate tale mm-hmm. of a singular person or two. And that's what we were kind of talking about in our intro with Donny Cates classically telling personal stories with really big stakes or in really large situations, mm-hmm. which serves us readers really well, I think we're finding. Yeah. Um, so yet to be seen with this storyline, but I'm intrigued enough by the character they did introduce. She works in a comic shop. Which Donny Cates also got his start in a comic book shop. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, so some detail about his history. life. Yeah. So All right. write what you know. Yeah, exactly. Donnie, right. Don't stray too far. He's got it down. But her name was Ellipses. I liked that actually. Did you? Okay. I was wondering what everyone would think about that. I thought it was just hippie enough. Yeah. Where like Ellipses is uh, the, there's an opportunity for a lot of nicknames, which mm-hmm. they go into, which yeah. I thought that was fun. They're gonna call her L or Ellie, mm-hmm. and yeah. they their parents were writers, so they the explanation of the name was I thought really kind of they did such beautiful. a good job with that. If they would have just named her Ellipses and just left it alone, I would have been like I roll. Mm-hmm. But explaining that her parents are beatnik writers, right, made it perfect. And they did, he did it in like uh, three panels, right? It was perfect, like. He just he he got it so concise, and you yep. knew who that character was in a matter of three panels. Right. Which for some authors it takes three books, <laughs> and like that is the the master class of Donny Cates right there. Yeah. Those small intimate stories, and he hits you with the punches real quick. Yep. I love when you look at the cover now of crossover and the logo and the O and over. Mm-hmm. You've got the three dots next to each other, and it and it kind of makes the word bubble. Like dot, dot, dot. Right. Which is a cool poetic thing. Totally. Just a clever nods to comic books and and where a story's going to go or what's left in the in-between not said. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just kind of enjoyed the poetry of that. There w- this book was very poetic at times. I'll, I'll say that there's been plenty of comics that I've read that are a love letter to comics that I hated. Sure. Okay. Or they're just dull or redundant to each other, mm-hmm. that it's either someone's personal story with 
how they got into comics or a campy, overdone homage to a bygone era of comics. Sure. This was really unique, and I think I can consider it a, a huge homage to comics done in a really interesting way. I'll, I say that meaning that, like, personally it feels like that to me. I don't believe this was written as an homage to comics. It may have been, but... Well, I think with what and you talked about earlier, the, the trap that most writers get into when they want to do an homage to the love of comics is they make it very singular and about themselves. Mm-hmm. What we're getting in this story is just, like, Donny Cates opening the doors to all of us and being like, hey, you know how we all love comics and, like, kind of here's why? And it, it makes it so relatable for you and I and everyone who, who is grown up with comics either very in a very short period or for like their whole lives it's just like oh my god like these experiences that he's sharing with us in the book and like kind of through his life like i can relate to that instantaneously yeah and i know that we love so many stories that have been written over the past you know three years we've been doing this podcast that have been written you know solely as comics for the comic book medium that get turned into tv shows or movies Mm -hmm. or great stories that um, were written as a show or a movie intentionally first on comic books to help get that buzz going for it. Sure. This book certainly felt like something for us. And Un- by us, you mean the comic book community. Uniquely, yes. Yeah. That this got really... And, and I think part of that speaks to how many copies got printed is this is this was made specifically for people who go to comic shops on a regular basis, mm-hmm. have a love of superheroes, and our collectors, yeah, go to conventions, mm-hmm. are in the know and the, of the lingo and things like that. Mm-hmm. Does that make this book inaccessible to new readers? No, because new readers will eventually get there. And maybe if they don't read Crossover now, if you stick in the medium long enough, you'll be like, maybe I should read Crossover. Or someone will say, man, I read Crossover and it really connected with me as a comic book reader and they should be like well i think i've been in there been in here long enough maybe i can connect with it too and i think uh, over time we'll see that this is going to be a a pretty loved and beloved book hopefully it depending on how it turns out i think so too the the more time i spent with it the more i felt like maybe this comic book was written as an answer to the question why do you like comics Yes. Oh, my God. The it's, the age-old question <laughs> by normies. It's so hard to explain to some people why you like reading cartoons. Mm-hmm. And especially the superhero genre. Like, I feel like a lot of times when someone's asking me about my hobbies or I say I collect comics and I get that look like, oh, like... Those are, are for you, babies. Are you weird? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that, I'm, that I'm always like, oh... You know, comic books, like, aren't totally what you think they are. There's, like, you know, superhero comics, and then there's, like, all kinds of other genre yeah. that got turned into this show you like and this movie you love and this show you like. And You're people, instantly and, trying to explain yourself to people, yeah. and, you, and you don't have to. But I'm apo- I'm pre-apologizing for yeah superhero stuff, but that's the ma- overwhelming majority of what I read are superhero comic books. Right. And people get caught up in the spandex and the buxom babes and the muscles and all that. But really, you and I know and people listening know, there's real stories happening here. Yeah. It's much more than punching a hole through a building. <laughs> and I I think that, you know, our... I don't want to... I'm not comparing this... Yes. ...to anything. Okay. 
but I'm just saying mm-hmm. that when I was younger and I read Watchmen, yes, oh, that you were like, okay, this is so cool. It's not cartoony superheroes. It's like, what if they were real? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was. It felt more of like a real life settings, and these people like actually grew older and became washed up. Mm-hmm. And most of them, there was an aura of fantasy to it, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't essential to every character's being. Right. It was rooted in reality basically because of who the characters were and how they reacted to being extraordinary. Right. Um, I think a lot of comics since have taken inspiration from that. Mm -hmm. The Boys Sure. It's like, yeah. in my head, kind of the Watchmen on steroids. I'm sure a million other people have had that take. But I think this book, too, might be a easy introduction mm-hmm. into superhero comics because it does set itself in reality and puts itself in a position to make commentary on superhero comics. Yeah. And then make you feel like it's okay to read, and then before you know it, you are reading a superhero comic? This is Donny Cates' dissertation. This is him diving into the subject of what comic books are and how they fit into the zeitgeist of our society. And he's presenting it to us, the audience, of just like, here's why these are important. Here's why the mythos of superheroes is even more important. And I'm going to just break it down to you in such a basic term that your minds will melt out of your ears. And here's something that I love about that is that if someone tells you they're making that, you kind of say a little bit like, oh, I roll. That's such a big thing to say you're doing. Yeah. But he starts the book out perfectly by giving you this quote about... (laughs) (laughs) how comic book characters transcend reality and they fleece the humanity out of like normal life and yada, yada, yada. And then there's a quote from Todd McFarlane right under it that says, kids like chains. Kids like chains. (laughs) And that's what Todd's been doing for the last 30 years. They love those chains. Chains Why not give them more? I mean, it was the same thing with like Spider-Man and the web. Like when you saw him holding gobs of web in his hands and it's just spiraling all around him in ways that don't make sense. Mm -hmm. It looks so fucking cool. It's just like great composition. It was the same thing with the spawn chains. Right. They look cool. It's fun. That's it. I, I just love to say that I'm, listen, I'm doing this heady thing, but I also understand that comic books need to be good and need to be fun, that I can't just come in like Terrence Malick and give you guys this like heady thought piece on this that's like terrible to read. Right. And he, uh, in my personal opinion, he threaded the line perfectly between stunning visuals yeah. and not too many words. Right. Like he could have gone full Brian Michael Bendis on this thing mm-hmm. and the whole page is just word bubbles. Yeah. But he did such a phenomenal job. I'm, I am... I'm excited just to see where it goes. Yeah. I'm definitely getting number two. I will too. Easily. Yeah. There was a beautiful first issue Trad Moore cover that was like a little pricey. It was like I, 25 bucks, I, right? I ordered it. I got it cheaper than that. Oh, oof, I got okay. it. Well, not much. I got it for 20 bucks somewhere. Well, it was a, it was a one in 25 ratio, so was that's it? not bad. All right. Yeah. You, you got a good deal. Yeah. But we're just Trad Moore 
stands. Oh so. my god, he's so good. Yeah. And then I figured if I even like half liked this book, it'd be a cool <laughs> thing to put on the wall. Cover to have. Yeah, yeah, just like put up on the shelf. So uh we've talked a little bit about the intro of the comic book and the character and like what like big picture what we think he's trying to do, but what about those smaller stories mm-hmm. in the book and the more personal things that we're seeing. What did you think about the characters that were introduced? Um, I thought he did a good job of mirroring where we are at in our lives, in the world around us, with this fictitious world that he made and kind of drawing parallels between um, religious icons being anti, whether it be in our world, gay or abortion or any kind of progressive movement. And they are now focusing their energy towards uh, superheroes being in uh, our quote-unquote reality. Like cosplay is something that like uh, our our lead character dresses up in a kind of like mask superhero outfit. Right, as a thumb to the religious uh, people or the people who are anti this event that's happening in the world. And she gets a beer bottle thrown at her mm-hmm. by a redneck. Oh, that's, uh, I think that's, that's the guy, the guy from you, Redneck, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I think it's great because I loved that... Um, we have this rebellious kind of uh, rhetoric from the beginning of just like comic books are for the devil. They're bad and they're not good. And me reading that, I'm just like, ooh, I could get behind that. Like, yeah, yeah I'm I'm a rebel for reading comic books. Mm-hmm. When in reality, I'm just a big old dorko. Who yeah. does, like, I'm not taking any risks here. But in this world, it's a huge risk. I mean, yeah. these literal fictitious characters that we've idolized pretty much our entire lives uh-huh. are have sprung to life. Yep. They're in Colorado in their biodome, farting up the place. <laughs> and there's been somewhat of like, I guess, an iconoclast period mm-hmm. um, where people have just destroyed comic books like you would have book burnings in the yep. in the 60s. You know what I mean? Or record burnings. You've seen this with all kinds of medium, things that don't honor God or we see as satanic now. And And you honestly think like, what if these mythological sort of characters mm-hmm. that I think have been I think they try to make a point too in the comic that like Superman's been a- around long enough mm-hmm. that the idea of him transcends a lot of ideas that like real people have <laughs> or like the lives of real people like Superman's going to live on beyond you and me. And, yes. And he's been around long enough that he's always been in the cultural zeitgeist and mm-hmm. had some sort of influence on how we interpret society. Yeah. Right? So it makes him this, like, big idea. Um, if all of a sudden we found out that he was real and came in, walked into our world one day, mm-hmm. um, would you look... You, you could see people looking at comic books as texts to a false god. Sure, like, yeah. Like, I, people, people's brains would have such a hard time coming to terms with that. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think you would certainly have all kinds of disdain for whatever it was. Right. Comic books. Was it explained in the book? I can't remember. We may know more than the people know in this world kind uh-huh. of situation. Did the did the characters come out of a comic book? Was there like some kind of rift from that? Or was there just kind of a happening over Colorado where it, they just emerged? All we know is it just happened and they started to emerge. And I think there was a steady stream where just like more of it would happen and more of it would happen. So I wonder if like maybe it'll be explored that some of the reason that these are being destroyed is because the thought is 
they are springing to life from these books. So oh, if we right. destroy them, their portal into our world is yeah. no more. Do you think then that Colorado was chosen because of Mile High Comics? Oh my God. If that is the reason, <laughs> Mile High Comics may be one of the largest comic book shops gotta in be, America. It's got to be the largest. I mean, it is, it's, it's massive. They have a warehouse. That you can just go into. That it's just when I say warehouse, I mean warehouse. It's like an airplane hangar. It is massive. When you think like when you look at your comic book collection and say, I've got twenty long boxes, like what the fuck am I gonna do with these? Mile High Comics are the people that end up buying your mm-hmm. twenty long boxes. I, I almost dare to say they may own every comic book ever. They gotta be close to it. I mean yeah, it it would shock me if they. I'm sure there's some that are just so rare that all copies have been lost. But yep. they have an extensive collection. There have been really obscure things that I've wanted, like I there was um an Art Adams interview. I'm a huge Art Adams fan, and there was an interview of him in this old Marvel age. Oh, cool! And it had like a lot of Mobius art in it. And I was like, I gotta get this comic Marvel Age. You know, nobody saves that, mm-hmm. let alone in good condition. Right. So I had to go to Mile High to get a okay copy of it, mm-hmm. and uh, they shipped it to me, and I'm a happy baby. God bless them. <laughs> um, I I wanted to touch on. So we get uh an introduction to one of the superheroes that has crossed over. Yep. In in this comic book shop where this lead character is working. And is it even a superhero though? Is it just a comic book character? That's okay. No, whether she's super or not, yeah. You, we get this kind of cool dynamic. They look different than us. Yeah, they look like printed paper. Printed paper, mm-hmm. like they have the dots all over them, and the. Uh, I don't know what that process is called. I'm I'm sorry, everyone who's yelling at me right now, but yeah. I thought that was clever. They're, they're half tone. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Everyone is that. If you're a comic book character, you are halftone, which is such a cool way to look at it to see like a modern drawn comic with like characters that look like they popped out of a vintage comic walking next to them. Yeah. The the real art, life pop art. The art style was really cool. Yeah. So um, we are introduced to this, uh, I think as a young woman, a, a child maybe. Uh, yeah. I, under the age of 10, I'm sure. And uh, she reveals to the. Uh, lead woman and the shop owner of the comic book shop that like basically there's like this coyote that is like sneaking people inside the Colorado bubble out. Right. I I think we're led to believe that there's just mass chaos inside the bubble. I'm assuming villains are coming over too with superheroes. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, And this girl in this case is just a little kid. So if you're a hero, you're going to want to save that little kid from that. Mm-hmm. Or... The ultimate twist, she could be a villain, too. She could be a villain. You never know. Dun, dun, dun. Johnny, what are you doing? Ooh, Donny. <laughs> Donny boy. But what did you think of that? What did you think of the idea of just, like, you? We this world thinks that everything is contained in Colorado. Yeah. And now that it is clearly not the case, yep. just, does everything just go into utter chaos then from here? Yeah, I think it's like you mentioned before that this book posed an interesting dynamic between religion and an abortion and and all these other things. We've also got a situation wherein we're 
looking at how some of America looks at illegal immigrants mm-hmm. and that, hey, I, my my base assumption is is that all these people are bad, right? And they've got to go, and they can't contribute to society. There's a tinge of that. Obviously, it's the early days, and we're just getting introduced to the concept of this. Sure, but the hate and fear that this character got, it certainly had parallels to that sort of stuff for me. That's, I would 100% back you up on that. Yeah. That's a great assumption. Um, We also mentioned as this is happening in our comic store, you've got a bunch of religious protesting people outside mm-hmm. of the comic book shop uh, yelling at the people in line, very much like a planned parenthood. Yeah. So almost a mirror image. Yeah, exactly right. Um, there is a pastor father mm-hmm. who is, you know, getting at his son for he caught him with a comic book and is like, "What are you doing? This is like your punishment for that." He's got a black eye, so you're assuming his dad knocked him around a little bit. Mm-hmm. They make a Molotov cocktail out of the comic book, out of the comic book in a bottle, and make him set ablaze to this comic shop, essentially. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, they they pull out towards the end of the book while the shop's on fire and it says, like, the last comic shop on earth. Really interesting, you know, you're thinking as a collector, too, that if people have mass burnings of comics, that you're just like, oh, my comics are getting rarer and rarer (laughs) by the minute. (laughs) How many burnings? Wonderful. Some of the conversations in the comic shop about, like, you don't want to buy this stuff. And it was just like, nah, man, that stuff's trash. Like, yeah. I'm looking for, like, this, that, and the other. And Take your cowboy comics and get out. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, I I loved some of the dynamics and interactions in the comic book shop. It kind of felt like a comic shop, even with, like, you know, our kids reading comics in the shop or trying to stuff something in there. In their jacket and the store owner hopping up and being like, hey, <laughs> call the cops. Just like typical kids and comic shop owner shit. Yeah. I've <laughs> seen that scenario played out at least four times <laughs> in random comic book shops that I've gone to over the years. Yeah. So uh, just like I said, Donnie's pulling from uh, personal experience with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we're led to believe that this character who threw this Molotov cocktail whose dad's knocking him around is going to be one of our main characters. Does he cascade into more hate? Does he feel sympathy for our characters ultimately? And he's just trying to do what his dad said. Um, There was a panel at some point where Ellie's eyes meet his and she says she like feels something like deep in her heart. I think, um, you know, with the early... um description of ellipses named and the importance of it i think we're going to have three people that we primarily follow through this series one being ellipses one being this kid who is torn between um proving to his father that he's worth a damn and maybe following how he feels on the inside yep uh, which is a common story you find in most literature Mm. and then a third person that has maybe been yet to be revealed sure so i think there is going to be Kind of, uh, I hate to draw a comparison to Star Wars, but I think there's going to be a a Ben Solo story arc with this character. I mean, he is drawn between what he's been told to do and how he, how he wants to live his life actually. So yeah. it's going to be fun to kind of figure out the back and forth between these characters and their relationships and uh, the the highs and lows of it. I mean, I think 
he wants to assist in what's happening in Colorado mm-hmm. in a positive way, but he's so integrated into this religious family, much like the um, religious family in Kansas here. Um, they make a bunch of I know you're talking news about. Uh, with their signs, and they always go to concerts and whatever. Yeah. It's not worth mentioning their name because they're garbage people, but it's along the same lines of just like you live in that world long enough, you kind of become indoctrinated to it. And Yep, exactly right. So uh, it, it, you see that a lot in the Midwest with like little kids with really harsh takes on how they think the world works, and it's like you're too yeah. small to be that racist. <laughs> you're six. Shut up and go do something else. Yeah, like, give right, me a break. Right. But, it's going to be interesting. I think Donnie has introduced some, you know, some dynamic characters here that the short amount of time we've had with these, you know, characters, we know a lot about them already. Yeah. Let's spoil the last page. I was hoping we were going to because it was kind of... Turn it off if you don't want this uh, last page spoiled for you. Spoilies coming now. Okay. It gave me chills. I don't know how they're going to do this. I know. It almost makes me wonder if we're just going to get continual allusions to characters mm-hmm. or if we're going to actually get real payoff on this stuff. So what we're talking about is Ellipses is trying to help this little girl who's from the comic book bubble. Mm-hmm. And she was uh, assisted in escape from the bubble. And Ellie asks her to draw mm-hmm. that um, what that person looked like. Mm-hmm. And she drew what could only be interpreted as Superman. Fucking Superman. I got chills. That's the only possible explanation. There's a big S on this dude's chest. I was expecting Invincible. Now that would have been cool. Yeah. Because she was wearing an Invincible t-shirt. I know. Which another allusion to an image character. Yeah, there's a handful of... There's, everywhere you looked in this book, there were just things in the background that were... Uh, nods to characters in other comics. And see, I don't know how they're going to do that because you guys talked in the last episode that they actually had to change a character's costume color because it was too close to the comic color of Shazam in DC. Right, exactly right. Captain Marvel is on like the first page of this book. Yes. (laughs) But they they changed his suit color to blue Mm -hmm. uh, on DC's request. Yes. To avoid a lawsuit. So that makes me think, like, how are we going to play this out, Donnie? If you right. can't use the colors of Shazam in a character that kind of looks like Shazam, you sure as hell aren't going to be using Superman right. in the comic at all. Yeah. So part of me thinks that there just might be allusions to those sort of characters. But if they somehow worked out some sort of deal or agreement, that's going to be like this will be mind-blowing. The, if, if true. If somehow Donnie Cates has brokered the biggest crossover in comic book history, yeah, I will never doubt him again. Yeah, ever. That would, just, be, that would be wild. And it opens up the door, good or bad, for a lot more of this to happen. Sure. If if it's if it's profitable, holy shit, the people at Marvel and DC are going to be wringing their little hands of just like, ooh, money, 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 money. Yeah, right. What else can we do? Totally. And then Amalgam's back. <laughs> And then we're all screwed. Lobo the Duck. Oh, how I've missed you. Oh, man. Can you imagine a 1 in 25 variant cover for Lobo the Duck? <laughs> what I wouldn't give. <laughs> but it it did it live up to the hype to you? Let me let me pose that question. Um I'll I'll I, say for me no, but not in a bad way. Yeah, it was just that my expectations were subverted a little bit. 
I thought I was going to get a different comic book. Mm-hmm. So my expectations weren't met, but... But you weren't disappointed. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely one of those things where you've got to read more to get the full idea of how much I'm going to like this, not like it, etc. But I mean, from the jump, obviously there's enough for us to talk about it for almost an hour. Yeah. Uh, well, and before we've edited here, we've been talking almost an hour about just <laughs> crossover. So it's it was worth our five bucks. I, I I agree. I mean, from all the talk and all the chatter and all the buzz and rumors of this book, it didn't blow me away. Yeah. It definitely just like made me rise raise my eyebrows a little bit of just like, huh, okay, well let's see where we're going with this. Brimming with potential. Yeah. Yeah. Um so you know, Donny Cates has laid the groundwork for potentially something amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm gonna be around for the ride. Same. Love it or hate it. Let's sit back and enjoy the ride. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs>